0: All right, so welcome to the African History Network show right here on nine ten a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. It is Sunday, May 22, 2022, and we are live. So uh, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, some, some people uh, saw the picture that I hosted of Malcolm X on Thursday. Uh, May 19th was Malcolm X's 97th birthday, born May 19th, uh, 1925, in Omaha, Nebraska. And on my show Thursday... We talked some about his by any means necessary speech, June 28th, 1964, uh, announcing the organ uh, announcing the formation of the Organization of Afro-American Unity. So we're going to talk about that uh, some more today's show. And he laid out a five uh, point platform, a five plank platform. And it also included economics and it included politics as well. Um, I hear a lot of people saying that Malcolm was against voting or things like this. Uh, you need to study Malcolm after he left the, after he left the nation of Islam. That's not true. We're going to deal with that uh, on today's show and look at his by any means necessary. speech, June 28th, uh, 1964. Okay now also, I did a broadcast earlier today and I uh, taught my online class, my Sunday online class from the Civil War to the Civil rights movement to the Civil rights movement and Black Power. 1865 to 1968, from the from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. That's the class I teach on Sundays. But I saw uh, three big articles. It's a whole series from the um, New York Times dealing with Haiti and the history of Haiti and Haiti having to pay. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, Haiti having to pay reparations to uh France, okay, going back to 1825. So and this ties into some of uh, some of the information in the uh Sunday class that I teach because we deal with the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 and the Haitian Revolution, okay, and those are connected. But New York times has, uh, they've done some fantastic research and they deal with, um, Haiti paying reparations to France and the damage that is done to Haiti. Uh, they have one article that deals with, uh, the, the ransom, the ransom, uh, demanding reparations. Let's see what is this, uh, the ransom demanding reparations and ending up in exile, okay? And it talks about uh, former Haitian president, John Bertrand Aristide, who was demanding reparations from France to Haiti. And he ended up being exiled by uh, France and the United States. We know uh, the U.S. military, uh, (laughs) just like we know the U.S. military invaded Haiti in 1915 all right sorry about that we know the US military invaded Haiti in 1915 and uh stole 500,000 dollars worth of uh gold out of uh Haiti's bank okay but well, we're going to talk some about this today I saw on MSNBC they had um a, a story dealing with Haiti and then also uh PBS NewsHour has a good segment uh Haiti and dealing with this report from uh, NBC from uh, the New York Times there's also a good article six takeaways about Haiti's reparations to France six takeaways about Haiti's reparations to France as well okay so you have uh you have that uh so th- this is a really good one here that I, I read through I was I'll uh, reading a lot of these articles dealing with Haiti today. Okay, so we'll talk some about that as well. Um and this is directly tied to Haiti's conditions today. Okay, this is directly tied to Haiti's conditions today and being one of the poorest uh uh one of the poorest uh countries, especially in the Western hemisphere. Well it's because of um foreign interference. And having to pay France the equivalent of five hundred sixty million dollars in today's dollars, so that's what that that's what that is the result of. All right, so we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that, and then uh, I was on Roland Martin and Filtered on Friday. One of the things we talked about was uh, we we talked some about the uh, Buffalo, New York shooting. And we know that two of the people who were killed, they had funerals for them this weekend and they were laid to rest. Uh, We know the suspected shooter, um, Peyton Gendron, he was indicted on Friday. Uh, So we talked about, uh, well, he's indicted on Thursday, I should say. He was indicted on Thursday. Well, when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday, we talked about... uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives, passing the uh, Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, as a result of the Buffalo, New York shooting. Okay, The vote was 222 to 203. Only one Republican out of 204 Republicans voted for the bill. That was uh, Republican Republican Adam Kissinger. Adam Kissinger uh, of um, Illinois, I think it is. Only one Republican out of 204 voted for the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. So we discussed this on Roland Martin's filter. We also talked about the uh, COVID 19 hate crimes, hate crimes Act that people uh, incorrectly call the Asia Hate Crimes Bill. It's not an Asia Hate Crimes Bill. It's the, COVID, it's the COVID-19 uh, Hate Crimes Act. It only applies to COVID-19-related hate crimes. It's not specific to Asian Americans. It also applies to African Americans. The problem is we don't read and don't understand law. We don't read at all, okay? It's illegal to have programs or federally, fu- federally funded programs or laws that apply only to uh, one race of people. And that is because of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay, that's uh, Title six of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. If you go to archives.gov, they have it right at archives.gov. Um, Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, we have it right here. We're coming up on a break, but I'm going to show this to you because our people don't read, and we're just walking around deaf, dumb, and blind. And most you know if your friend if you, if your friends if you're sharing misinformation with your friends and none of y'all are doing research to determine the validity of the information um uh, you have to you need to get yourself some new friends i'm just going to put it like that okay um but if we look at this here and i want I want to go to title 6 title 6 of the uh 1964 civil rights act section it's uh, uh t- title 6 section uh, 601 section 601 of the 1964 uh civil rights act uh deals with federally funded uh non-discrimination and federally funded um programs. Let me pull this up right here. The second. This is at archives.gov. Archives.gov is the U.S. National Archives. And it has the uh, um, you can actually read the bill there. This right here. Okay, this is what I want right here. And then if we go to uh, I want to go to Title six uh section six oh one okay so I hear people they say they want bills only for African Americans. You do realize that's illegal, right? Did you consult with like any attorneys or anything? Did you consult with anybody that drafts laws, anything like that? That's illegal it's upon the nineteen sixty four Civil Rights Act. And um it's right here. Uh Title Six non discrimination in federally assisted programs non-discrimination in federally assisted programs section 601 of the 1964 Civil Rights Act no person in the United States shall on the ground of race color or national origin be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal Financial assistance. We'll deal with all this on the other side of the break and Malcolm X's 97th birthday. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Natori Naughton reached out to me. and She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds
0: in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on nine ten a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. All right. So right before uh, the break, I was going over the topics we're going to talk about on today's show. Um, And then there there was one other one here. Let me see. Uh, Also, we're going to be joined at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be joined by Greg McKenzie, uh, who's the treasurer for the African Liberation Day uh, planning committee here in Detroit. And we know African Liberation Day is celebrated May 25th, but it's coming up. Uh, it's going to be celebrated here in Detroit, uh, Friday, May 27th, Friday, May 27th, and uh, Saturday, May 28th. So I'll be speaking at uh, uh, on the 28th over at al Village. So Greg McKenzie will be here to give us some information about that as well. Okay, so on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct wrong own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself. What you, allow, what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you haven't taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you can, you can control the covers of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships. Love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word "kemet" K E M E T to two two eight two eight to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, dot African com. dot com. Sign up for our email newsletter there as well. <coughs> okay, so uh... Thursday was Malcolm X's ninety seventh birthday. We talked about this on our show. We know that um the two uh two of the men who were convicted in Malcolm's assassination uh they were exonerated um you know in uh, November 2021 they were exonerated uh because information that would have uh exonerated them was withheld from their trials we know the FBI was involved in this as well jago hoover counterintelligence program This is an article we talked about back uh, November 18th, 2021, uh, and actually um, it was updated December 7th, 2021. For the New York Times, highlights from the push to exonerate two men in Malcolm X's killing. uh, And this uh, uh, talks about uh, Muhammad Aziz when he was uh, 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 his Conviction was uh, vacated. Motion to vacate convictions finds that crucial evidence was withheld. Motion to vacate convictions finds that crucial evidence was withheld. A motion by the Manhattan District Attorney at the time, Cyrus R. Vance Jr., asking a judge to toss out convictions of Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam in the murder of Malcolm X concludes that crucial evidence, crucial evidence was withheld. During the man's trial, the 43 page motion, which which was granted a hearing on Thursday, described in detail the investigation conducted by the district attorney Cyrus R. Vance, Jr. at the time, you know, he uh, retired and the men's lawyers. It concludes that evidence withheld by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI and the New York Police Department have been given to the defense. The trial would like if it had been given to the defense, the trial would likely have gone differently. So they were they were uh exonerated. So check this out. So on uh Thursday show, one of the things I talked about was June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty four, and Malcolm's um speech, which is called his by any means necessary speech, okay? By any means necessary. And he announces the formation of the Organization of Afro-American Unity. Now, this is after he goes on his Hajj to Mecca and after he uh, uh, travels to 14 African nations and meets 11 heads of state. But he delivered this. Now, this is uh, after he officially separated from the Nation of Islam. He officially separated from the Nation of Islam, March 8th, 1964. We know uh, March 26, 1964. Uh, Malcolm meets Dr. King for the first and only time. When he meets Dr. King, he tells Dr. King, I'm throwing my heart into uh, the, uh, I'm, th- I'm throwing my, uh, all of my effort into the heart of the civil rights movement. If you read this article here from the Washington Post, um, Martin Luther King Jr. met Malcolm X just once. The, the photo still haunts us with what was lost and uh by dene l brown really good article when malcolm meets dr king he tells dr king i'm throwing my uh throwing myself into the heart of the civil rights struggle okay we know malcolm joins the civil rights movement after he leaves the nation of islam um we know he goes to speak to SNCC down south february january february 65 he goes to alabama he wants to meet with dr king but dr king's in jail so malcolm meets with coretta scott king all right. When Malcolm was in the Nation of Islam, he was calling for uh July thirty first, nineteen sixty-three, he sends a letter to the leading civil rights leaders asking for a meeting with them, and he's at, he was asking for he was calling for a unification of the civil rights leaders. He was calling for a unification of the civil rights leaders and their followers. Malcolm said that we have to find a common solution to a common problem posed by a common enemy. And he and he was calling for a united front involving all Negro factions elements and their leaders. He said it's absolutely necessary. He said, if Nikita Khrushchev and uh, President John F. Kennedy could come together and set aside their tremendous ideological differences, he said it's a disgrace for Negro leaders not to be able to uh to submerge our minor differences in order to seek a common solution." To a common problem posed by a common enemy. Okay, so, so read the rest of that. All right, now, um, here, Malcolm lays out uh, in this the, the, the script here, the speech, this is from blackpast.org, blackpast, P A S T, blackpast.org. They have uh, about 6,000 pages of uh, articles dealing with African history and African American history. This is his speech. He delivers June 28th, 1964, announcing the founding. uh, This is the founding rally of the Organization of Afro-American Unity. Okay, so. While in May of 64, he decided to found this organization. We know that. um, He meets Maya Angelou. While while he's in Ghana, Maya Angelou is going to come back to the U.S. and help and work with Malcolm in the OAAU. also. All right. Malcolm returned to New York the following month to create the OAAU, And on June 28th, gave the first public address on behalf of the new organization at the Audubon Ballroom in the Washington Heights section of Manhattan. So they have the speech here. Now, he lays out a five plank, uh five plank platform it deals with education, deals with economics, politics, things like this. You can read this. So he talks about one establishment, establishment of the organization, the organization of African-American unity should include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere, as well as our brothers and sisters on the African continent. Which means anyone of African descent with African blood can become a member of the Organization of Afro-American Unity, and also any one of our brothers and sisters from the African continent. Okay. So he lays that out. Then he goes into um two, let's see here. He goes into uh, okay, uh three is education and two is see two is self-defense since self preservation is the first law of nature we assert the afro americans right to self defense so read that it talks about the us constitution right to bear arms things like this do that legally okay so then he deals with education education is an important element in the struggle for human rights it is the means to help our children and our people rediscover their identity and thereby increase their self respect increase their self respect what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So he goes on to say, education is our passport to the future for tomorrow belongs only to the people who prepare for it today. So then the fourth platform, um, the fourth plank in the platform, politics and economics, politics and economics. Okay. And he says the two are almost inseparable because the politician is depending on some money. Yes, that's what he's depending on or she. Basically, there are two kinds of power that count in America, economic and political power, with social power being derived uh, from those two. In order for the Afro-Americans to control their destiny, they must be able to control and and affect the decisions which control their destiny economic, political, and social, economic, political, and social. This can only be done through organization. So then he talks about uh, uh, registering people in Harlem to vote as independents, okay? And he talks about the independent voter, the Organization of Afro-American Unity. He talks about the need for a voter registration drive. The Organization of Afro-American Unity uh, will organize the African-American community block by block by block to make the community aware of its power and potential. We will start immediately a voter registration drive. We will start immediately a voter registration drive to make every unregistered voter in the Afro-American community an independent voter. Now, keep in mind, this is before the completion of the party realignment between the Democratic and Republican party that takes place mid late six, mid late sixties. He, he says we won't organize as uh, Democrats or Republicans, etc., but it's independence. But he talks about the he talks about the need to understand politics and also to vote and get something for your vote as well. To vote strategically. So read the rest of this here. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by Greg Greg McKenzie of the um, African Liberation Day Committee here in Detroit. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2: IDO Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas a royal pan-african summit hosting keynote speakers and a red carpet banquet come and witness our african royal coronation ceremony register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with african royalty vendor opportunities available get face to face with the royals who own the land and resources for business contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on nine ten 10 the Superstation, of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. All right. It is Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. And uh, we're joined by uh, Greg McKenzie. And Greg McKenzie is the treasurer of the uh, African Liberation Day uh, Committee here in Detroit. They always do some great work and um, have uh, good celebrations for uh, African Liberation Day. So I've been to a number of them and uh, spoken at a number of them as well. So we want to welcome uh, back to the African History Network show. He's been on before, uh, Greg McKenzie. HoTep, Greg, how you doing today? HoTep,
3: very okay. How are you? Man, I'm great.
0: All right, excellent, excellent. Well, look, it's that um, it's that time of year again, and uh, African Liberation Day is uh, coming up. So, first of all, for those who uh, don't know, may not be familiar with it. Explain to people exactly what is African Liberation Day and what are, what are we celebrating?
3: At all, I mean, so African Liberation Day. I mean, the idea in and of itself, has its origins in the extremely long history of fighting to free ourselves from European domination, white supremacy, and the oppression that. You said that's wherever you find African people on the planet. Right. And so, um as we were talking about the history around the formation of the Organization of African Unity back in 63, 63 and yep. the subsequent events that come out of that, African Liberation Day had its first inaugural celebration held in 1972 in Washington, D.C., uh as a very strong push toward continuing to consolidate our energies and our power towards liberating ourselves wherever we find ourselves on the planet. So there were celebratory elements, sure, but it was also a very serious occasion toward organizing and towards effectuating that liberation.
0: Okay. All right. Excellent. So... The celebration is coming up this year so normally it's the official african liberation day is, is may 25th okay uh which coincides with uh, may 25th 19 1963 and the um uh, uh the organization of the uh organization of african unity okay uh but mm-hmm. uh, african liberation day we celebrate may 25th each year so uh that's the official african liberation day now the celebration the detroit celebration explained to people when and where that Detroit celebration is taking place.
3: So here in the D, you can celebrate African Liberation Day on May 27th and 28th. And it's generally, and that's a Friday and a Saturday. And mm-hmm. for us annually, it's for Friday and Saturday before the holiday Memorial Day. Right. folks both celebrate. So that Friday and Saturday preceding Memorial Day is always African Liberation Day here in Detroit. So this Friday is at the Charles H. Wright Museum from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., but the marketplace opens at 4. Okay. So the African marketplace is a huge part of African liberation. And we're talking about cooperative economics, sustaining ourselves, liberating ourselves, having our own space, will require us to be able to do business with each other and maintain the things that we need for our survival. Right. But the African marketplace presents a, a flavor of that, um and then of course on Saturday we're over at Al Village. Um, and it's an all day celebration with many, many moving parts, So we can talk about that in more detail as continue.
0: Okay, so what uh Okibalon Village, give people the address and what time uh, what time is the event on Friday and Saturday? Friday is at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American yep. History, Saturday's at al Village Village. So give people the location for Alkibalon yep. Village and let's let's sure. give us the give us the times also.
3: Absolutely. So the location, uh, as you all know, for a Friday at uh, Charles A. Museum, P-15 East Warren, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. as far as the keynote and the actual program. But the Marketplace opens at 4. Malika got is the keynote
0: this year. Okay. And um going to yeah. talk to us yeah, about our Farm. political education. Yeah, D-Town Harvest Farms, Malika Kinney. Yep, and Black Food Security Network, exactly. We've had him here on the show before. Absolutely. Okay, so he's the keynote and more, speaker. And most recently, Detroit People's Food Co-op, mm-hmm. which is making a
3: big splash in the city uh, on behalf of black people as a black-led food enterprise that will that will have tremendous implications in
0: the near future. Right, exactly. So he's the keynote speaker. And th- now, what's what's this year's theme? What's this year's theme for African Liberation Day?
3: So this year's theme is political education.
0: Okay. And I want to I want
3: to back up and tell people seven seven zero one Harper Avenue
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, is the address to the Cuban uh, line Village, and okay. so that's right at the intersection of Harper and Van Dyke. Right. And that's going to be eleven a.m. to five p.m. Saturday, May 20th. 28th. That's okay. indoor and outdoor, weather permitting. If the weather don't permit, we'll be indoors, we got plenty of space at the village to do so. But uh, we would love to have the sunshine on our face right. and enjoy some of our culture and celebration outside.
0: Okay. All right. So this year's theme is political education. I know um, uh, yes. Malik will talk about that on on Friday. Friday is 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, May 27th, Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. Uh, also, you you all can visit ALD.org, uh, African Liberation Day, ALDDetroit.org for more information. Detroit. Detroit. Or- Say Say
3: again? No, at first you said
0: ALD.org, but you said it the second time, ALDDetroit.org. Yeah, a, a, yeah ALDDetroit.org. Yeah, we have it up here on the screen. ALDDetroit.org is our website. Uh-huh. Now, on Saturday, explain to people what's taking place on Saturday over at Alkibalon Village. Sure. And once again, the times on sure. Saturday are, uh, was it 11 a.m. to 5 p.m.? I'm looking at the fly here. 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay. Yes, yeah
3: so what you will encounter on Saturday, you know, African Liberation Day, we take it back to its origins again. Like we said, it was about organizing people, mm-hmm. getting people into the liberation struggle. Many of the folks who were at the lead, at the helm of that celebration in 72 were very advanced politically. They had a very clear analysis of where we stood and what our objectives should be. And they wanted to pull more and more people into that struggle and help them to get up to that speed. So, um, one of the ways they did that was through a march. Okay. And so every year, African Liberation Day, we kick it off with a symbolic march. We're not marching to the, uh, the distance and the degree that they marched at that time, but we we'll would do a, a symbolic march around our neighborhood at our Kibulan village, uh, and bring folks from the neighboring, uh, streets into the program with us that way. And come back. And once we get started after the march, the very first thing that we're going to do is get into some learning circles. Okay. And so, um, with the theme being political education, we tapped into the brain thrust of our community. Good folks like yourself, brother <laughs> Michael Motep. <laughs> right. Uh, and some of my other brothers and sisters in the community who have pertinent information to share will convene. Small circles of people to have brief learning circle uh, discussions. And so these will be 45 minutes to an hour long, where folks will sit in small groups of no more than nine in a circle, literally with the chairs organized in that way. And there'll be different topics, right. i.e., women-based liberation theories, or gun violence, mm-hmm. or the African Origins of Russia or Racism White Supremacy. All of these different ideas and topics, right, will be discussed in these small groups. And, you know, that will happen right after the march. Once we come from that, then we'll get into some celebration. We'll have some youth performances. I keep a lot of do martial arts. Our North African Drum and Dance Troupe right. will do their always beautiful brand of cultural entertainment. And then... Uh, We'll go back into another round of those learning circles, and the idea is to put strong emphasis on the theme political education. Right. And in in large part, the organizers this year at the committee table, you know, we came to the conclusion that it's it's going it's very important to infuse the political education element into the African Liberation Day celebration and gathering because we have to continue to sharpen our analysis to the degree that our people who've initiated this thing back in the 70s, analysis was sharp. I don't know right. that, uh, I ain't going to say we fell off from that point, but what I'm saying is there's always room for improvement, and I love to see us continue to take those as they say, exactly. steps towards Okay,
0: let's, 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 We only have two minutes left in this interview. So, number one, everybody go to the website ALDDetroit.org, ALDDetroit.org for more information. It's free to attend this both days, right? It's free to attend both days? Free to attend both days. Okay. Now, uh, are you looking That's for, uh, 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 you, you're going to have African Marketplace there Friday and Saturday. Is there still room for vendors or being a vendor, is it closed?
3: African Marketplace is open still. You need to contact Mama Memphis, uh in order to okay. make sure that you can secure a spot. Do I have time to provide her phone number? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. So her phone number is 313. Yep. 313. Yep. Yeah, and I'm actually pulling it out of my phone as we speak. 313-995. Okay three five
0: seven nine okay three one three nine nine five three five seven nine to be a vendor uh and they may Absolutely. have some contact information possibly on the website also but that's the number to call to be if you want to be a vendor three one three nine nine five three five seven nine they'll discuss the details with you uh i'll i'll be there speaking seventy five dollars for both days okay seventy five dollars for both days i'll be there speaking on saturday uh, I'll be a vendor on Saturday also. So I have my DVD lectures. I'll register people for my online classes. You can come talk to me also. So, uh, uh, so Greg, look, thanks for coming on today. Is there a general number people can call for information also for people that may Absolutely. not have? Yeah, what's that number? Sure. If you, if you want
3: more information, you can call me directly at 313-578-1300. And then that's 313-578-1300. All right.
0: Greg McKenzie. All right, Greg, look, man, tell everybody over there, Marvis Cofield and everybody at the uh African Liberation Day Committee. Uh uh Baba uh and uh Elder and and uh, Paul Taylor and everybody, right. you know, keep up the good work and, and we'll see we'll see you all Friday and Saturday, okay? Okay. All. Thanks for having us on the show, Mike. All right, brother, peace. Take care. All right, we'll be back. We'll be back from break in a few minutes. Listen to the African history network show. on Michael M. Hotel. When we come back, we're gonna talk some about Haiti and why Haiti had to pay France. Five hundred sixty million dollars in reparations in today's dollars. You listen to the After History Network show. We'll be back in a few minutes.
4: What does self care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com.
0: iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African American authors, Afro Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Welcome back to the African History Network show, right here on nine ten 10 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. All right. Um, I want to go to uh, our next segment here. So. Uh, we talked about this on our show on Wednesday and Thursday, and actually Tuesday, I told you that this was, that this was coming, uh, when we were leading up to, leading up to this, the house of representatives, Democrats in the house of representatives passed the domestic terrorism prevention act. Uh, and this was as a result of the Buffalo, New York mass shooting house passes, bill targeting domestic terrorism in wake of buffalo mass shooting so for people who were sitting around and saying well what are they going to do what are they going to do about the uh, you know what are they going to do about domestic terrorism what are democrats going to do things like this okay so this is what democrats were doing republicans were voting against the bill only one republican out of 204 who voted voted for the bill the bill the, the bill passed 222 to 203, 222 to 203. The only Republican who voted for the bill was Adam Kis- Kissinger, who is also on the uh, January 6th committee. He's one of the two Republicans on the January 6th committee at Ad- Adam Kissinger. OK, so he voted for this bill. The now, as I talked about earlier in the week. Um, it was, you had some house progressives and axios.com had an article on this. You had some house progressives who were apprehensive about, um, about the bill, but they got assurances that right, that civil rights, first amendment rights, things like that would not be violated because people like Cory Bush, they were concerned about surveillance in the African-American community, et cetera okay, and rightfully so. So we talked about this also on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm going to clip one in just a second here, Jalen. We talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered, but if we look at this very quickly, the House on Wednesday passed legislation that would create domestic terrorism offices across three federal agencies spurred by alarm over the rise in incidents of homegrown of violent extremism in recent years spurred by the rise in the defense of homegrown violent extremism over the years over in, in recent years representative bradley schneider pushed for a vote on the bill known as the domestic terrorism prevention act the domestic terrorism prevention act in the wake of saturday's mass shooting at a supermarket in buffalo in the uh 11 of the 13 people shot were African Americans okay we know this two have been uh, ba- uh two have they have funerals for this weekend they buried them and authorities are investigating the incident as a hate crime and a case of racially uh violent extremism a case of racially violent extremism now the measure was approved 222 to 203 to vote One Republican, Representative Adam Kissinger, joined all Democrats present in voting yes. The legislation's future remains uncertain in the Senate, where Democrats have the slimmest of majorities and a unanimous vote on similar legislation was blocked by Republicans two years ago. We need to call our members of the U.S. Senate to put pressure on these Republicans to vote for this bill. Okay. now, also the uh, so read the rest of this. Okay, read the rest of this article. House passes bill targeting targeting domestic terrorism in wake of Buffalo mass shooting. House passes bill targeting domestic terrorism in wake of Buffalo mass shooting. Um, NBC News has a story on this as well. Uh, The one from NBC News is after Buffalo, House Democrats to tee up vote on domestic terrorism bill. Okay, now. Also, the Department of Justice announced uh measures to combat uh hate crimes as well okay uh there was a press conference on Friday that attorney gen Attorney General Mayor garland had, and he discussed this so there was an article from uh national public radio uh I saw a- what well, number one I saw the press press conference. And I saw a couple articles on this also. Uh, There's an article from the National Public Radio. The Justice Department is releasing uh, new guidelines. Let's see. Justice Department is releasing new guidelines, grants to fight hate crimes. Okay. And this article came out uh, Friday, May 20th. This one right here. So at WhiteHouse.gov, they should have, well, the White House's YouTube channel, they should have the press conference. Uh, I know they probably have it at NBC News's, uh, uh, NBCnews.com. The Justice Department is releasing new guidelines, grants to fight hate crimes, and this is from National Public Radio. Justice Department is taking new steps to raise awareness uh, about hate crimes and to help develop to raise awareness about hate crimes and to and to help develop states and, and to help states develop hotlines for reporting bias incidents as federal prosecutors continue as federal prosecutors continue to investigate last weekend's deadly shooting in buffalo new york three top leaders at the department of justice are set to unveil new guidelines and 10 million dollars in new federal grants at an event uh, in Washington on Friday, where they will appear alongside family members of people slain uh, in hate field incidents. OK, now uh, let's see here. OK, so you can read this. Uh, the FBI reported a disturbing rise of hate crimes against Black and Asian Americans in 2020. The Justice Department has convicted more than 30 defendants on federal hate crimes since January 2021. But expert, experts say, said the vast majority of biased crimes go unreported to authorities. The vast majority uh, of violent crimes go unreported to authorities. Oftentimes it could be a language barrier. The Biden administration's new action is intended to reach out to people who don't speak English and people who have limited access to the Internet, people who don't speak English and people who have limited access to the Internet. The Justice Department's new head of the office of access to justice, uh, Rachel Rossi, have previously coordinated a response to hate crimes in the government, and will continue to offer oversight on those issues. Okay, now uh, the FBI reported disturbing, let's see. Uh, also this week, the NAACP released a plan calling on the administration to do more to police social media companies that fail to address hateful and violent content on their sites. And to push uh, Congress and to push Congress to pass gun safety measures, we'll continue this on another of break. This is the African History Network show on Michael M Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
4: What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at SageAndElmApothecary.com.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on the AM Superstation Future Radio. All right. Uh, Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so uh, right before the break, and I'm uh, having problems here with uh, Google Chrome. This is uh, freezing up on me. But we were talking about the uh, Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act that uh, passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 222 to uh, 203. Uh, that was Wednesday, if I remember correctly. And then also the, the article I was looking for from uh, National Public Radio, here's the, here's the the main article that I wanted, because this, uh, th- I think this is the main article I wanted. The Justice Department is releasing new guidelines, uh, grants to fight uh, crime, to, to fight hate crimes, okay? So check this one out as well. And there was so one from, uh, I have to find the other one that I saw dealing with this as well. But this is dealing with what the Justice Department is doing, okay? Um, We talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're going to clip one uh, here, Jalen, just a second. We talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered. And one of the things Roland did was he went through what's with the COVID-19 hate crimes act It's not the it's not the Asian hate crimes bill. That means you didn't read the bill. It's the COVID-19 hate crimes bill. Okay, we need to go. We need to read more of this stuff, seriously, because our people just walking around deaf, dumb and blind and just repeating just nonsense and have no clue what they're talking about. All right, so. Um, also in the, uh, earlier in the show, I showed you the, um, early in the show, I showed you the, from the, uh, Civil Rights Act of, uh, 1964. This is at archives.gov, U.S. National Archives. Okay. This right here, this is why you, you cannot have race specific programs, policies from the federal government want things that are only for black people. That's illegal. Why? It's based upon the 1964 civil rights act. We haven't read any of this stuff. So we don't know this. (coughs) We just, we just, we just go, sorry, we're just going around, just repeating nonsense. We haven't read any of this stuff. So we don't know this. Okay. Title six, Non-discrimination in federally assisted programs, Title Six. Non-discrimination in federally assisted programs, section section six hundred one. Okay, this is at archives.gov. All this stuff is at the Library of Congress website, loc.gov. U.S. National Archives, archives.gov. All this stuff is there. Bills, laws, all that stuff. U.S. Constitution, everything. Okay, so if you go to uh right here, Title Six of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. No, section 601, no person in the United States shall on the ground of race, color, or national, na- national origin be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, and let's see if we can increase the size of this. I want everybody to see this, so. I hear people, you know, like if you're going to put out like a, a black agenda that deals with policies, did you consult with attorneys that have experience crafting policies to make sure the stuff is legal that you're proposing? I'm just curious. Did you consult like with attorneys to make sure what you're proposing is legal? No person in the United States shall on the ground of race, color or national origin. Be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Okay, that's 1964 Civil Rights Act. All right, so we discussed this uh, on Roland Martin Unfiltered on uh, Friday, May 20th. Uh, Let's go to this clip, uh, clip number one, Jalen.
5: So, Michael, let me, for, again, for the people out there who pay no attention, <laughs> who can't read or don't refuse to read, okay, this is, uh, are, are y'all seeing it in the control room? Are y'all seeing it uh, on my iPad, please?
0: Thank you. This is the actual bill. Yes.
5: It is called the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act.
0: Surprise. surprise. What well, it's
5: called the Act. Okay? Now, let me go through the bill here, and here's the deal. It says... It says this act may be cited as y'all cited as the COVID-19 hate crimes act cited as now there were people who's called it the Asian hate crimes bill because, yes, in the bill, it says Congress finds the following. Following the spread of COVID-19 in 2020, there has been a dramatic increase in hate crimes and violence against Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders. And it goes through here and it labels those particular things that happen. Okay. then it says in general what the law does. It talks about Mm -hmm. applicable. Here's the guidance. The attorney general shall issue guidance for state, local and tribal law enforcement agencies pursuant to this act to number one, establish online reporting of hate crimes or incidents and to have online reporting that is equally effective for people with disabilities as for people without disabilities available in multiple languages and determined by the Attorney General. Does it say Asian only? No, it doesn't. It says collect data disaggregated by the protected characteristics described in Section 2249 of Title 18. Expand public education campaigns aimed at raising awareness of hate crimes and reaching victims that are equally effective for people with disabilities and for people without disabilities. Does it say ACEs only? No, it does not. And if you actually go through here and you actually keep reading it, it will show you again who this applies. Oh, what does this say right here? Hmm. In 1990, Congress enacted the Hate Crime Statistics Act to provide the federal government, law enforcement agencies, and the public with data regarding the incidents of hate crimes. The Hate Crime Statistics Act and the Matthew Shepard and James Burke Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act have enabled federal authorities to understand and, where appropriate, investigate and prosecute hate crimes. And if you keep reading, y'all, here's the bill. And I keep going. And I keep going. And allow me to keep going. Hmm. Y'all are seeing the actual bill. Do you see anywhere in the bill where it says Asians only? Nope. Pacific Islanders only. Nope. Nope. I'm still scrolling, Michael. Still scrolling. (laughs) Still scrolling. And yet we've got these folks who are running around who are saying, oh, this bill is only for Asians. What does this say? Adopted a policy on identifying, investigating, reporting hate crimes. Developed a standardized system of collecting, analyzing, and reporting the incidents of hate crime. Establishing a unit specialized in identifying, investigating, and reporting hate crimes. And it goes on and on. And it goes on and on. And it lays out, now we're at the end. So for everybody Mm -hmm. out there who keeps tweeting me this bullshit, okay, of this only applies to Asians. I just showed you the actual bill and what it does. It cites the attacks on Asians, which precipitates the bill. The attack on James Bird precipitated that bill. The attack on Matthew Shepard precipitated that bill. So can we please stop this ridiculous act of, oh, this only applies to Asians. And then all you fools who say, oh, the money that was allocated, we can't apply for it. Yes, we can. All you got to do is apply.
0: Well, so Roland, okay, so I've gone through that bill also on the African History Network show. I'm glad you showed that. That's at congress.gov. Everybody needs to go to congress.gov. That's one of the most powerful websites there is because this is where you go one, to actually read what's in the bills, so you can stop listening to these simple assignment, simple Simon ass people on social media who have absolutely no clue what they're talking about, who are just lying to you and pimping you. Number one, two you can actually see who voted for the bills and who voted against the bills. So if you're a member of the House of Representatives and you're two members of the U.S. Senate keep overwhelmingly voting for bills that you advocate for, why the hell would you let them get voted out of office? If you're two members of the U.S. Senate or one or two members of the Senate and you're a member of the House of Representatives keep voting against bills that you advocate for, you need to organize and vote their asses out of office. But this, this goes even deeper, Roland. Number one, you're correct. The name of the bill is the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. It only applies to COVID-19-related hate crimes. It does not apply to race-related hate crimes. That's another thing that people don't understand. If you actually read the text of the bill, not only does it apply to uh, any race or ethnicity, it only applies to COVID-19-related hate crimes and not race-related hate crimes. This is something else that these backward-ass people get wrong because they don't read. Now, if we look at the bill, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, which just passed the House of Representatives. I think it was Wednesday. I talked about this on the African History Network show. That bill passed 222 to 203. 203 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act that came back up as a result of the Buffalo, New York shooting, where 10 African-Americans were killed. Only one Republican voted for the bill. Representative, go ahead. Let's explain, Michael, let's explain why. That,
5: the, the, mm-hmm. that, that so-called Asian hate crime bill, if you actually mm-hmm. read it, it ain't a lot of in it. It's, it's not, not. It's weak. It's really a bill it's about not. reporting. Okay? Yes. So people like, ooh, they swiftly passed it. Well, why do you think they swiftly passed it? Because it ain't nothing in it. Now, the bill they just passed actually has a lot more teeth in it. And deals with it. And then, of course, and then all the people, ooh, some fool, Uncle Roro working hard for the Democrats. No, dumbass, I'm working hard for black people. Because here's exactly. the deal. The bill that's passed has an impact on black people. Now, if you saw you Simple Simons out there, if y'all want to sit here and play this game, you can see, here's the game they're playing, Michael. Uh, They ain't passed nothing for us. Then they pass a bill deal dealing with domestic terrorism. Oh, well, uh, you just sitting here uh, speaking for the Democratic Party. Well, who the hell just passed the bill?
0: Well, let's go even deeper. You just said
5: how many Republicans voted against it? 203. 203. But but here's my whole deal. But here's my whole deal. It's two parties. It's two parties. Who the hell going to vote for or against? So if somebody say, oh, you're telling the Democrats, did they pass the bill? These are the same simple Simon Negroes who go, the CBC, they ain't doing nothing. They got this bill passed. Now it goes to the Senate. There's a lot. Not what you whining about. See, you can't satisfy these folk because all they got to want to do is whine about something as opposed to this actually. This was a bill passed in the wake of the Buffalo shooting. Um, exactly. What, what's today, Friday? The bill was passed mm-hmm. yesterday. That means it was passed five days after the shooting. How long did the Voting Rights Act take and the Civil Rights Act and the Fair Housing Act? It took nine years for the Voting Rights Act. It took nine years for the Voting Rights Act. I just can't – I can't deal with these people who Mm -hmm. refuse to understand – how Congress works. This is why we gotta have Schoolhouse Rock 2.0 and 3.0 for these simple Simon's who get on social media and spread lies and get folks riled up. They ain't doing nothing for us. Uh, but the Asians got a bill. When hell, it didn't even only apply to Asians. Go ahead.
0: Well, well, not only that, Roland. Uh, we, we can go even deeper. If if people just Google, how have the policies of the Biden Harris administration? helped African-Americans or helped Black people. The first hit that comes up is a 19-page document at WhiteHouse.gov that was posted February 28, 2022, that breaks down category by category how the policies of the Biden-Harris administration helped the African-American community, everything from the—I've dealt with this on my show. We See, this is why we have to go through. You, we do need, like, uh, politics or simple Simon-ass Negroes. We do need that. Because there's a whole lot of them just out here listening to a bunch of dumbasses on social media that have large followings who are just lying to our people and pimping them, okay? But if you go through that document at whitehouse.gov, another one of the most powerful websites there is, Because all this stuff there is at WhiteHouse.gov, the official website of the White House. It goes through category by category, everything from the American Rescue Plan to the infrastructure bill, the $5.8 billion for HBCUs in 2021, which is a record number of funding that HBCUs have gotten. All this stuff is there. But, but Roland, it gets even deeper. When you look at, first of all, there were three Republican co-sponsors of the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. Because of changes that were made, because you had representatives uh, like Cory Bush, progressives like Cory Bush and other progressives who had a fear that this could then allow the federal government to do more surveillance of Af- among African-Americans, things like this. There were changes made to the bill to accommodate them. The three Republican co-sponsors voted against the bill that they co-sponsored. The, and then you had Representative Steve Sc- Scalise. This is how duplicitous— These Republicans are why they need to be voted out of office. Representative Steve Scalise, House Minority Whip out of uh, Louisiana, Republican. He urged members of his party to vote against the legislation. But this is the same Steve Scalise whose life was saved by two black Capitol Hill police officers when his ass got shot. And he voted against this bill that would uh, help protect African-Americans against domestic terrorism. All these traitors need to be voted out of office. Yeah,
5: I mean but again, uh, so the reason we do this show is people understand and so if you're complaining about the domestic terrorism bill that was just passed, clearly you've read nothing. Now we should be focused on making sure these senators get off their behinds exactly. and actually move on that particular bill. So
0: we have to deal. push it through we have to push it through the Senate also. Definitely. Okay. So uh, that's from Roland martin unfiltered on friday may 20th uh follow Roland on Facebook and youtube Roland s martin also download the black star media app i'm on uh every friday uh, you can uh, and you can watch Roland martin unfiltered there and watch me there on fridays okay now the um the article that I was referencing two quick things here and then I want to go to uh haiti uh, the haiti topic. So early in the week I talked about this article from axios.com Buffalo shooting spurs congressional response May 17th 2022 also we'll go to the phone lines 313-778-7600 uh we'll go to Walter here in just a minute uh so this this one this article here is from May 17th 2022 which was Tuesday Tuesday May 17th this was before the vote took place it gives some background information on the bill the domestic terrorism prevention act put on ice last month, which would have been, uh, April of 2022, uh, amid objections from progressive lawmakers will be taken up Tuesday by the house rules committee. The panels, uh, chair representative Jim McGovern, Democrat of Massachusetts told Axios, he said, I think it takes an urgency on a, I think it takes, I think it takes on an urgency given current events. Now when Biden spoke in, um, uh, uh, Buffalo, New York on, he spoke there on Tuesday. If I remember correctly, he spoke there on Tuesday. This is one of the things that he should have mentioned. I I, I said, um, when I, when I did our, our show on Tuesday, we covered Biden's speech there. And yes, it was good to denounce white supremacy and things like this, but Biden should have talked about other things that are taking place that are happening And yeah, he called for assault rifles to be banned again, things like this. But he should have he should have talked about this Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act that was coming up for a vote this week in the House of Representatives. Now, uh, Representative Cory Bush, Democrat of Missouri, uh, some other progressives and groups, including uh, including the American Civil Liberties uh, Union last month, April 2022, voiced stringent objections concerned about government targeting and surveillance of civil rights activists and other left-wing groups. Cory Bush indicated Monday, uh, Monday, May 16th, that many of her concerns have been smoothed over in negotiations since April 2022. Now, the bill's 207 co-sponsors include three moderate Republicans, though every Republican on the House Judiciary voted against of the bill advancing in April 2022. Okay, so read the rest of this. The three moderate Republicans who co-sponsored the bill, they backed out of that. They backed out of it after changes were made to appeal to the progressives, they backed out only one Republican voted for the bill. Okay, so remember this, when they come talking to you for election time and we're in the election season now, they come talking to you, see, I I, I go to congress.gov. Congress.gov, we can look at the bills and see who voted for the bills and who voted against the bills. So, you got to run out on somebody that doesn't read. All right. Now, the other thing that I mentioned was this document here that we talked about before. If you just Google how I have the policies of the Biden-Harris administration benefited or helped black people, or African-Americans, a 19 page document that was posted February 28, 2022, which is the update to the one they had of October 2021 fact check fact sheet. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for Black people and communities, communities across the country. This is at whitehouse.gov, okay? Uh, and this goes through category by category and breaks down how the policies from the Biden-Harris administration, help, helping African Americans, everything from the American Rescue Plan uh, to the infrastructure bill, we know the American Rescue Plan, cut uh, childhood poverty, uh, for African Americans by 33% lifting more than 1 million black children out of poverty in December, 2021. We know in 2023, when we get the new Congress, Democrats have to increase, uh, how many Democrats are in the Senate. So you can, so you can break the filibuster. If you get the 55 Democrats in the Senate, then you can change the filibuster rules. Even if Mansion and Cinema vote against you, because you can change the filibuster rules, uh, with 53 votes. Okay. And you can nullify Manchin and Sinema's vote. This is understanding strategy and how to remove obstructions, how to remove obstacles. The the one point nine trillion dollar America Rescue Plan. No Republicans in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate voted for this bill. No Republicans voted in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate voted for this bill. The bill had money to uh, uh, to hire teachers to open schools back up to pay to, to uh, pay for new ventilation systems in schools so you can have smaller rooms and less children in the classrooms. They can sit spread out apart. You have Republicans who were saying, open the schools up, open the schools up. When it came time to vote for a bill that would fund opening the schools back up, every Republican in the House and the Senate voted against the bill. We know Republicans are not pro-life, they're pro-birth. We know Republicans are not pro-life, they're pro-birth because this past week also if you've been paying attention you know the, the uh the, there was a bill- to, uh it was like twenty eight million dollars twenty four million dollars uh and that was to uh leave the uh to provide relief when it comes to uh, uh baby formula all right uh hundred and ninety two Republicans voted against the bill in the House of representatives hundred and ninety two republicans voted against the bill. And this is dealing with uh, being able to provide baby formula. So they're not pro-life, they're pro-birth because after you're born, they don't care about you. And we can see this by how they vote. You vote against American Rescue Plan and, and that cut uh, child poverty by about 40%, 33% for African-Americans. You vote against uh, money to open schools back up and provide proper ventilation systems and things like this, okay? uh so if you go back and look at this one right here, and i've got I've got the article from the Washington Post after find it that dealt with the vote dealing with uh baby formula uh so read this so it goes through and uh, looks at uh, America rescue plan uh the infrastructure bill the infrastructure bill is huge, okay only nineteen Republicans in the Senate voted for the infrastructure bill, and there was a bipartisan bill, only about fourteen Republicans out of over two hundred for the infrastructure bill in the the House of Representatives. The lack of investment has fallen most heavily on Black and other communities of color. The bipartisan infrastructure bill will replace lead pipes like Flint, Michigan. There were 3,000 communities that had higher lead levels uh, than Flint, Michigan. Many of them have high African-American populations. It would increase, there was a study that came out during the Flint water crisis that talked about this, increase access to good-paying jobs, expand affordable high-speed internet. 25% of African Americans live in rural areas, don't have access to high-speed internet. Uh, It'll increase reliable transit, clean drinking water. Very important right here, reconnect black neighborhoods divided by legacy highway infrastructure and other resources to finally give black communities a fair shot at the American dream because Uh, Part of the bill is going to help to repair communities that were separated because of the U.S. Interstate Highway Acts of 1952 and 56, which which drove 41,000 miles of U.S. Interstate highways across the country and disrupted about 1,600 African-American communities. Go read the rest of this. This is a 19-page document. It goes through category by category. And shows you how the policies from the Biden Harris administration are helping the African American community. And, and, and these bills that pass Congress, most of the time, the majority of Republicans vote against these bills. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2: IDO Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas. August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri, a royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas, a royal Pan-African summit hosting keynote speakers, and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness our African royal coronation ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show, right here on 9, 10 AM Superstation The Future Radio. All right, uh, you can still register for the online uh, history class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays: Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We do with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the Transatlantic Slave Trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. We do the sessions live, all the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it any time. You don't have to be present in class. Uh, A year from now, two years from now, you'll still have access uh, to it, so you can go watch the full course, okay? So that's at africanhistorynetwork.com. We also have a bundle pack. You can uh, register for all three classes that I teach. We have a bundle pack for $120. That's a $285 value. On Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power. 1865 to 1968. We talked some about Haiti uh, today uh, in the class, as well as well as as, well as the Louisiana Purchase. So we have that information at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, um, very quickly here, let's go, before we get to the Haiti topic, let's go to uh, the phone lines. Let's go to Walter, line one. Walter, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, I'm calling from uh, in Alba. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, go ahead, Walter. Thanks for holding. First
3: question is, uh, which political party owes reparations? Second question is, uh, what is your view of the job that Joe Biden is doing right now?
0: You said, the first, first question you said, which political party owes reparations?
3: Yeah, which one do you think If we would get blacks to be reparations, which political party do you think owe us reparations? And number two, what well, uh, on a scale of zero to 10, what
0: would you grade Joe Biden right now at this point? Well, well, both political parties will owe reparations, but reparations come from the federal government, not a political party. And for the majority of the time that slavery existed in this country, there was no Democrat or Republican Party. The Democratic Party was founded in 1828. The Republican Party was founded in 18, 1854. So the majority of the time that slavery existed, chattel slavery ended in 1865. The majority of the time that slavery existed in this country, you didn't have a a Republican or Democratic Party, but the reparations would come from the federal government. It would not come from a a political party. To go to your next question, you go to your second question, what what, uh, on the scale of, uh, you said, zero to 10? Yes. uh, I would give them an eight. Okay, can I get more? I, I got a good grade for him.
3: Mm-hmm. My on zero to 10, minus 1 million. And you I know mean, you've been on here about, what, you said, you six, said, seven, you eight
0: years? You, you said, still my, I want to
3: make sure post-
0: I understand what you said. You said minus 1 million?
3: Yes, as well as Barack Obama, the two worst presidents America's ever had. And, uh, you, you've been b- on b- this for b- seven, b- eight, nine, ten 10 years, so you're still b- talking. No, still no, talk no I've been on six racism. years.
0: No, I'm not dealing with racism. Okay, this is yeah. dumbass Walter. Thanks for I'm calling, right. Walter. You're Have a ahead. good day. Thanks for calling. See, that's dumbass Walter. Okay, he said, he said, Joe Biden and Barack Obama are the worst. And then he said, I'm talking racism. No, I'm dealing with facts and evidence. See, Walter doesn't read. That's why. And then, I mean, you can tell something's wrong. He said, which political party owes reparations? If you actually understand history, which he does not, the majority of the time, that slavery existed in this country. You didn't have a Republican Party or a Democratic Party, and many of the founding fathers were against Republican parties. Walter doesn't read. Okay, this is what happens when you call in here and you deal with somebody like me that actually understands history and does research, and and that's 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 what happens. See, now Walter hasn't read this document right here at WhiteHouse.gov because he doesn't read. I just dealt with this. He didn't want to. He didn't want to talk about that. Notice he didn't want to deal with no facts. He just wanted to deal with nonsense. So that's why you know we don't have time to deal with that. But that's how I deal with trolls like him. Read, go read this article, little Walter, then call me back. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for black people and, and communities across the country. Is that whitehouse.gov? Oh, we said we talking about race because we talking about the White House. You can't talk about race. It goes through category by category and shows how the policies from the Biden-Harris administration are helping the African-American community. Walter didn't want to deal with that, okay? He 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 wanted to come on here, clown. Leveraging federal procurement to narrow the racial wealth gap. Oh, you talked about race. You can't talk about that. See, that's so you talk about race. Oh, you're promoting racism. Leveraging federal procurement to narrow the racial wealth gap for black entrepreneurs. Oh, you said black. You can't talk about race. No, that's racism. See, you said black. See, you you can't talk about that. You're supposed to be what transparent? You're supposed to be what, you know, no color. Recognizing that the federal government spends more than $650 billion each year on purchasing goods and services, President President Biden has directed uh, agencies to use federal purchasing power to grow federal contracting with underserved small businesses. He has set a goal of increasing the share of federal contracting dollars to small disadvantaged businesses by 50% by the year 2025, that's three years from now projected to translate to an additional $100 billion to minority owned businesses and helping more Americans realize their entrepreneurial dreams. Okay. See, um, now the reason why it can't be race specific, race, race specific, and just for black people, like, I discussed and broke down before Walter called in. So I shared with you the 1964 civil rights act that he has not read either. Okay. At archives.gov, Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. Section 601, no person in the United States shall on the ground of race, color, or national origin be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefit of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Is illegal? to have policies only for one race of people or race-based policies, policies only for African-Americans policies only for Latinos, things like this. Now you can have them for quote unquote minorities. Some people say, Oh, it's like this right here. Okay. So for instance, people will say, Oh, we, why is it for minorities? Why is it for minorities? Like when we deal with uh, procurement, right? as somebody who's actually managed the African-American company that had government contracts with the city of Detroit, the county of Wayne and the state of Michigan, as somebody who's actually put in bids for, for government contracts and one, and we had minority business, uh, enterprise, uh, the, 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 certification, minority business enterprise, small business enterprise, women, uh, uh, uh it was women business enterprise. Also, when you put in bids on government contracts, you get extra points for having those minority certifications a lot of these government contracts is on a point system okay it helps you this is what happens when you don't know what you're talking about and you don't understand how to navigate the system what it 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 is to your benefit to have those programs that are minority owned if you know how to use them the what we should be focusing on when you have programs for minority-owned businesses or minority contractors and things like this what we should focus on is being the majority of the minorities getting the money but if you just sitting up complaining just running off at the mouth have no clue what you're talking about you get locked out of this that when they have set asides like that we should be focused on how do we become the majority of the minorities getting the money because the majority of our employees were african americans so I, I i know what it's like to have to do payroll i know what it's like to get the check from the from, from the county and then you pay your employees and things like this, right? That's what happens when you have people have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. So when I hear people say, we don't want minority set-aside programs, I'm like, you out of your mind. You have no clue, okay? Go run that on somebody that don't read. Uh, let's go to John, uh, line two. John, welcome to the After History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, John. Hey, I'm calling from
3: Detroit, the east side of Detroit. All right. Thank you, Holtek, for educate the public because that character, cause he, he he don't read nothing. He just go by what the, the Republicans say. So it with proxies, all that stuff. So thank you, and I don't think I I I wish that you could be on the daytime to let your people know where to go to White House Africa. Think about the <laughs> charges and stuff, so boys. Because at, at daytime, the show the talk Not on on this thing. They don't talk about it like that. I, I, I call it the television show. where it go. And pick up and have someone on to everything, so they can know, people can know how to get, get the information and knowledge and, right. and get their money. So, I like, said, uh, President Joe Biden put a lot of money on Detroit and tell them how to keep, get their money. That's what I think well, about it. So, well, I want to thank you once oh, again on for educating people and keep up with your work because, like you it, some of these dumb cars don't leave, but they want to talk about it. Right. Well, thank you, thank you. All right. John.
0: Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Also, you, we talked about this here on the show before. Seven hundred million dollars is coming to Detroit Public Schools by the Harris administration. It's going to be used to um, renovate five schools. Last time I heard uh, five schools here in Detroit Public Schools. Uh, Fox 2 News has an article. WXYZ has WXYZ Channel 7 has one. Uh, but this is from Fox 2. This is the first one I could put my hands on right now, Detroit Public Schools to invest $700 million to update buildings. That's from the Biden-Harris administration, okay? Just so people uh, understand how money flows, federal annual... I was reading through the uh, new, the 2023 federal annual federal budget from the White House, I think it's about $6.9 trillion. There's money in there for everything, okay? There's money in there for everything. All right, now, uh, we're coming up on our our last break. Um, When we come back, we're going to deal with this story dealing with Haiti, okay? Um Haiti had to pay reparations to France, uh, that is the equivalent of five hundred and sixty million dollars in today's dollars, which is one of the main reasons. Yes, Haiti had corruption, just like the, the US has corruption. But yes, Haiti had corruption. But this is one of the main reasons why Haiti is so impoverished today. Okay. You listen to the After History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African history network show. All right. Um, I want to go to, uh, this story here dealing with, um, uh, Haiti and it deals with, uh, a series that the New York times has done and a ton of research, uh, they've done on Haiti. We're going to go to, uh, that clip here in just a second Jalen from a uh, PBS news clip number three. So I I saw this story uh, this morning on the New York Times homepage because I read New York Times and Washington Post every day. I have digital subscriptions to them. So this is one of the uh, articles that I saw. The Ransom, Demanding Reparations and Ending Up in Exile. And this is about uh, former President John Bertrand Bertrand Aristide, former uh, president of Haiti a firebrand a Haitian president tried to hold France to account for his years of exploitation. He, so, he soon found himself ousted from power. This is from May 20th, uh, 2020. And he demanded reparations from France. You know, Haiti was a colony of France, Haitian Revolution 1791 to 1803. Um. He's going to be, uh, taken out of power, forced out of power by France and the U S. Okay. Then you have this piece here from also for the New York times. Um, uh, that is called six takeaways about Haiti's reparations to France. Six, six takeaways about Haiti's reparations to France. And the first thing they talk about is the double debt that started that started it all the double debt that started it all in 1825 an emissary from king charles X of france came ashore and delivered an astonishing demand france wanted haiti uh to pay reparations from the people it had enslaved france wanted haiti to pay france reparations because of the haitian revolution okay um The demand was for 150 million French francs to be turned over in five annual payments, far more than Haiti could pay, far more than Haiti could pay. So France pushed Haiti to take a loan from a group of French banks to start paying. Okay. Now the banks, the group of French banks, um, okay. So The true cost to Haiti then and today in all, they added up to about five hundred and sixty million dollars in today's dollars that Haiti ended up paying to France. I want to go to this clip here from uh, this is from the PBS News Hour. Hundreds of years after Haiti paid to be free from slavery, the costs are still being felt. Let's go to uh, clip three, Jalen.
3: The island nation of Haiti often makes headlines in the midst of crisis, but there's less attention paid to the factors underlying its status as the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere and one of the most unstable. The New York Times has conducted an unprecedented investigation into those root causes and is putting a harsh spotlight on Haiti's former colonizer, France. My colleague Ali Rogan has more.
6: To learn more about this sweeping investigation, I'm joined by Catherine Porter. She's the Toronto Bureau Chief of the New York Times, and she's been covering Haiti since its devastating 2010 earthquake, and led the team that poured over centuries-old documents and archives for this story. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how did your team come up with this idea?
7: Well, uh, as you mentioned, I've been in Haiti since 2010, and I think uh, I've been back more than 30 times, and any journalist that spent any time in Haiti, ask the question, like, why is it like this? Why is the poverty so bad? Why is the infrastructure so bad, and why is it so so much worse in other countries around it? And the obvious answer is often given as corruption, which is true, but reading a book on one of my trips there, it mentions this thing called the independence debt that Haiti had paid to France after winning its independence, had, had then been forced to pay in cash. And it just stirred my, like, I just it planted a seed way back then, and I started looking for more and more information about this.
6: Yeah, let's talk about how that independence debt came to be, because I think, as, as some people know, Haiti was founded by former slaves. They overthrew their French colonial rulers in 1804, but not long after that, they ended up paying France. Why?
7: Yeah, they called it reparations, which is so mind-boggling now. Um, 25 years, 1825, 21 years after the first black nation of the Americas was formed, a battalion of French ships arrived with a message from the king basically saying, either you give us money or prepare for war. And at that time, Haiti had been completely frozen out. Um America, the United States would not deal with it, Britain wouldn't acknowledge it. So um, facing war and desperate for international recognition, the president of Haiti at the time agreed. Right. And you've dove into um, how much those so-called reparations
6: would equal in today's money. You also looked into the value that was lost to the Haitian economy because of so much of this money and the interest on these payments going out of the Haitian economy, not going to Haitians. So, so tell us about those figures
7: after we did all that research we collected the the figures and we were able to extrapolate what the opportunity cost was to Haiti so if Haiti hadn't grown if its economy had stayed as stagnant as it had been through the 1800s it would have meant it would have added 21 billion US dollars to the economy today if the economy of Haiti had been boosted And grown at the same rate as the average rate of Latin American countries around it, it would have been a staggering $115 billion. Of course, the
6: United States also has a long and sordid history with Haiti. What did you find out about that relationship?
7: Well, you know, what was really interesting is that first you had these French colonial masters, and they held a tight grip on Haiti uh, long after independence um and finally you know the the way that they held on to the financial strings of the country was through the the Haitian National Bank and soon enough um, American banks took an interest in the Haitian National Bank because as we saw increasingly more and more bankers from around the world saw that this was a place that despite how poor it was they could get rich so we discovered that one of the reasons the United States uh, invaded Haiti and occupied it for a very long time, starting in 1917, was because a bank that is now known as Citigroup had really prodded the State Department to go in um, and secure its interest in the Haitian National Bank. And that then quickly developed into a full-fledged occupation. So part of the impetus was financial interests of Wall Street bankers. Catherine
6: Porter with the New York Times, thank you so much
0: for joining us. All right, pause right there. Okay, great reporting there, and that was Catherine Porter for the New York Times. Okay, quickly here at uh, one of the facts here, the U.S. treated Haiti like a cash register. We know that uh, American military in Haiti in the summer of 1915, um, uh, Marines, U.S. Marines, entered Haiti's National Bank and, and, and took out $500,000 in gold. Okay, now, this right here, um, you're looking at... National Citibank. National Citibank was the predecessor to uh, of uh, Citigroup, okay? National Citibank was the predecessor of Citigroup Bank, and along with other powers on Wall Street, it pushed Washington, D.C. to seize control of Haiti and its finances, according to decades of diplomatic correspondence, financial reports, and archival records reviewed by the New York Times. Uh, if we back up here... Uh, It talks about um, uh, the general who led the U.S. forces in Haiti said years later, describing himself as a racketeer for capitalism, quote, I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the National Citibank boys to collect revenues. Okay, read uh, read this other piece here from The New York Times. Six takeaways about Haiti's reparations to France. All right. We're out of time here on the African History Network show. Uh, you can support us. dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, and through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN Show. Visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll see you over at African Liberation Day at Al-Kibbalan Village and the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Remember, right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior it's not over until we win. We'll count it forever. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right. Stand by. Okay. All right. Look, we have to get out of here. Be sure to register for um, uh, my online history classes. We have the information at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, we'll post the link here. Uh, We'll post the link here as well. If you missed the classes this weekend, as soon as you register, you can watch them. Because we have them archived. All right. We have to get out of here. Talk to you next time. Peace. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to
5: help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome.
2: We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level, so sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma.
1: The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. That's just one person, and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds
4: in real time. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com.
0: iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today.